This is Unbeaten. Thanks for tuning in. Great to have you listening. Live from Amherst, Massachusetts, in the basement of the Murray D. Lincoln Campus Center. Broadcasting on WMUA 91.1 FM and online streaming. It is Thursday, February 8th, episode number three. We have a great topic today, so let's get things started. How is everybody doing? It is the Thursday after the Super Bowl. It was a big week in sports, a big week in football in particular. A lot happened. Obviously, the Patriots lost the Super Bowl. And on Tuesday, Josh McDaniels turned down the head coaching job to coach the Indianapolis Colts. That came as a surprise to most people. I think most fans will be happy to see uh, Josh back in the offensive coordinator job. Um, Kraft was said to have paid uh, something extra, I think. So um, he's probably getting paid roughly the same as what a head coach would be paid anywhere else. So he's probably one of the highest paid, if not the uh, highest paid offensive coordinator right now um and then obviously the Colts came out with a statement saying that they were shocked and surprised which would I guess be the perfect two words that any organization could describe uh you know I guess you losing a head coach um and I think it was I mean it was it was hours after he was uh sworn in as the Indianapolis Colts coach uh, pretty much so he'll be back next season for the Patriots Matt Patricia on the other hand will be uh, moving on to coach the Detroit Lions Uh, as everybody knows I think my my personal opinion I think it'll be better to uh, mix things up have some change on the defensive side of the uh, ball um I think I think uh, Matt Patricia did a great job in his uh, years here in New England fantastic job at that that's obviously what landed him the head coaching job but um towards the end uh especially towards the end of this season the defense just got i mean in the we could talk about the super bowl you know maybe all episode but i know everyone in sports sports radio is talking about the super bowl so i don't want to go too in depth to into the game itself we all know the defense got shredded up um I want to talk more about the broadcast of the Super Bowl in general, uh, some of the commercials, uh, some of the other stories surrounding the Super Bowl, the sort of Malcolm Butler uh, controversy, and the heat that Bill Belichick's taking uh, as a result of benching him. So as much as we could break down uh, the defense and, you know, how ridiculous it was they didn't win despite their uh, fantastic offensive performance. We could, I know every radio station in the country is going over stuff like that, so um, we'll stick to some some other stories on this show because I think that's what uh, this show is more for. It's more uh, an unorthodox approach to 
sports radio, I guess. And I don't want to sound like, you know, I'm changing the game or anything. But um, because that's certainly not the case. I know there's plenty of other um, sports shows that go in detail to, you know, certain different stories that maybe most shows don't talk about, whatever. Uh, besides the point, you know, I, I want to make this show something that is enjoyable to the listeners. They don't, they're not just going to come on to the show, listen to the show and be bored by stats and, you know, over analysis, which I feel like the content that people want to consume today is the light stuff, you know, the, the, the stuff that's not too serious or too, uh, numbers driven to analysis driven. So, uh, you know, as much as we, we're going to want to make this show fun, but a place where people are going to want to tune in and want to listen to the show. I guess we'll start with, um, the Super Bowl commercials. I think that's always a fun topic to uh, speak of. I know uh, maybe in recent years, mm, I don't know, you could say that they've sort of been going downhill a little bit. That's, I guess that's on your own opinion. I think they've gone down a little, downhill a little bit at least. Um, and after a you know heavy uh, politically driven, uh, th- like themed commercials last year, this year was a little better. I think it was more focused on humor and, uh, you know, more, more, some more lighter stuff. For the exception of, I think it was the Ram, the Dodge Ram commercial. I, I know that one caught some, caught some attention. It wasn't necessarily overly political. I mean, Martin Luther King, they had a Martin Luther King uh, Jr. do the voiceover for the ad. But uh, it was basically... Like they were saving, they were saving dogs, and they were, there were firefighters, shots of firefighters rescuing people, and uh, soldiers coming home, and just dramatic shots in the rain or something, and then like, at the end it was just like, the all new Dodge Ram or something. So, um, I guess you know MLK would would want us to buy more cars. I think that's what Dodge is trying to say. So, uh, that was certainly an interesting ad. Another notable ad was uh, an ad for Australia tourism. It was like Visit Australia, but they made it look like a movie trailer or something. Uh, It was supposed to be, they like fooled us. It was supposed to be like a, a Crocodile Hunter movie or something like that. And then it was like plot twist, Visit Australia. So, I guess that was another notable one. Um... The Tide, uh, not Tide Pods, but Tide, uh, just in general, had a commercial or had a set of commercials that were <laughs> looked like they were going to be commercials for something else, but then it just ended up being a Tide commercial because they were all wearing clean shirts, and that was the joke. So I thought that was uh, that was pretty cool. Um, another ad, Pringles had an ad. I don't I don't know if Pringles has ever had a Super Bowl commercial that I can think of, but they were trying to um, play off like. They were they were trying to introduce stacking, stacking Pringles like nobody's done that before. Um, I guess they they're marketing this as a new concept uh, that that nobody has known about. Nobody has known that you can stack your Pringles for all these years. So now go for it, go wild. Maybe um, like the the new thing is like you stack different flavors. Maybe they're coming out with different flavors that we're supposed to stack, and maybe that's what makes it unique. 
there was also the Amazon Alexa commercial, I think it was. And the joke was that, you know, Alexa's voice had been, uh, like, taken out or that her voice no longer worked. So they hired famous celebrities to voice her. Um, and I think, like, uh, the owner of Amazon was in that commercial along with, like, Cardi B and a few other famous people. Uh, I know that one was well-received as uh, in addition to the other ones. Uh, real quick, uh, the price tag of a Super Bowl commercial, the average cost for a 30-second ad is $5 million. At least uh, that's what the price was this year, uh, roughly in line with what it was last year, keeping in mind uh, that excludes all of the production that goes in, the production and uh, making and the promoting of the ad and whatever they paid the stars to be in it because I know there were certainly a few famous celebrities in these commercials, Morgan Freeman, Peter Dinklage, uh, Cardi B, like we always, uh, already said, but that's going to cost you a lot to get that talent in the commercial. On top of the five million that it costs for a thirty-second uh, spot in the rotation. So, it says here, uh, according to the New York Times, that half a billion dollars uh, was the total in commercial time. So that's how much money was spent um, on advertising this year. It says advertisers spent a combined five hundred and thirty-four million on ads before, during, and after the game. I guess okay, that was last year. So that's according to some research database. But um, the company said that roughly 5 million, a 30 second commercial, we already went over that, compared to 2.5 million for 30 seconds in the conference championship games. So it's, it's double the price of a conference championship game to get your ad played in the Super Bowl. Then, of course, I guess we can move on to the halftime show, which Justin Timberlake. Uh, was the main star of that. I think he was the only star, honestly. I, I thought there was going to be more of maybe some guest appearances. There's usually cameos and other performances where you know other famous artists will come on stage and sort of assist the main artist. Or even sometimes there's there's like two main acts, really. I know Super Bowl 50 had like, I think Coldplay like headlined it, but then there was, I, I know for sure, I can't think of them off the top of my head, but there was... Definitely some other really big names that sort of like co-headlined with them. But it seemed like it was pretty much JT's show um, all night. Uh, I thought it started out really well. Um, and then it sort of just kept being the same thing for the duration of the performance. Uh, it was, I guess, I don't know, sort of flat. It also seemed, I, I don't know, it seemed relatively quick. I know in years past, they've sort of felt longer. I don't know if that's just me uh, being able to tolerate these things uh, with a longer attention span or something, but it definitely felt a little short. Uh, it went by pretty quick. What else? Uh, the kid with the cell phone standing next to Justin Timberlake who took a selfie with him, apparently you know, that was a meme that blew up on the internet. I don't know really know why, but... And then I guess we can talk about af what happened after the game. I know that I turned off the TV. I didn't really feel like seeing any of the uh, Eagles celebrate or didn't care to watch any of those uh, ceremonies. Uh, but since this is Amherst Radio, 
or Amherst Area Radio, we can talk about what happened here at UMass um, in the Southwest Residential Area. A riot broke out after the Patriot loss in which six were arrested and 12 were injured. UMass police said fights broke out shortly after the game ended and the crowd threw objects and set off smoke bombs and firecrackers. That is an NECN headline. Um, and a lot of I know a lot of the pictures and videos came from either students or Mass Daily Collegian um, journalists, reporters. Uh, so it was cool that we got all that documented. I was there um, in the southwest residential area, not partaking in the rioting, but uh, observing. And it was pretty crazy, to say the least. I think, uh, what did we say, 2,000 people were congregated all in front of uh, Berkshire Dining Commons, and everyone was just sort of shouting, and yeah, I mean, it started roughly like 10.15 right after the game. Uh, I heard yelling and shouting, so I went to go follow where it was coming from. There was a small group of kids. It slowly, uh, not slowly, <laughs> sort of actually rapidly grew to a 2,000-person crowd that, you know, people, I mean, the majority of people were just sort of like yelling and shouting and at the few, you know, fans that were wearing Eagles jerseys, which, I don't know, you got to be pretty crazy to uh, do that, wear an Eagles jersey at a Patriots riot, um, or at least go out <laughs> to the riot, like at least just stay in your dorm or something. But, um... Yeah, it was raining. Didn't deter anyone, so I followed uh, these all these pe- yelling people out to the uh, in front of Berkshire Dining Commons, and a lot of people climbing on things, <laughs> uh, just sort of getting on people's shoulders. Um, that lasted about I don't know, maybe thirty minutes before I think the police came in. And issued a disperse warning. And then I think pepper ball guns or something were involved. And uh, the tear gas or whatever it's called um, was used to disperse the crowd after the few warnings that they gave. Uh, And in the end, like we said, six were arrested and 12 were injured. So that's all I have to say about that. Uh, Besides that. Super Bowl was a great game. A lot of offense uh, to be played. Uh, It set a few, set and tied, a few uh, important records. Most combined yards with 1,151. Most passing yards in a postseason game, 505 by Tom Brady. Most points scored by a losing team, 33 by the Patriots. And most total passing yards in a Super Bowl with 874. So, uh, a lot of records being broken, especially on the Patriots' end. And they came away empty-handed. All right, we're going to go to break. When we come back, we will have some UMass sports coverage. This is WMUA Sports. 
UMass Men and Women Basketball on WMUA is supported by listeners like you and by Collective Copies, a worker-owned print shop with a mission. Printing, publishing, and promotion. 11 worker owners who share over 150 years of experience in the print industry are there to help you at every step. Collective Copies in Amherst and Florence and online 24-7 at collectivecopies.com. Welcome back to Unbeaten. I'm your host, Ryan Beaton. Thanks for sticking with us. Uh, We're going to cover some UMass sports now that we're back from break. That's what we usually do on the second half of the show, either cover UMass or uh, the conferences that they're in and the related news and scores and standings surrounding those teams. Uh, So... To start it off, to start off the second half of the show, I'm going to read some of the top headlines off of UMassAthletics.com. The first is Pipkins and Yuratsutsa. I'm sorry I can't pronounce your name. Uh, We're tabbed UMass Co-Athletes of the Week, uh, men's basketball sophomore, and tennis senior helped respective programs to strong showings. Obviously, Pipkins had the uh, big game against URI. They lost, um, unfortunately, by like two. Then they had the exciting win the next game that was against Dayton. That was here at the Mullins Center. And Pipkins hit two very crucial shots towards the end of the game. I think it went into double overtime. Uh, So that was a very exciting game. I was actually engineering that for... uh, this very station. Um, I was doing coverage for that. The next headline is UMass Tennis Downs St. John, St. John's, excuse me, for comeback win. Massachusetts drops double points in a rally that includes four straight single victories. That's pretty impressive. I know we don't we don't talk too much about tennis here. On the show, they don't get a uh, good enough rap, but I guess they rallied back for a 4-3 win over St. John's um, at the Bay Road Tennis Club uh, last Sunday. They put, uh, that was their fourth comeback effort um, with victories at the number one spot, the number two spot, the number three, and five single spots. Um and I think how tennis works is they have like ranked um, competitors, and then you know you either win or lose that slot. So the number one, two, three, and five uh, singles slots uh, won, and Yurazitsa, the name I couldn't pronounce earlier. Sorry about that. Put Massachusetts on the scoreboard with her six-three-six-one uh, victory. So she had a uh, very, very good day. Um, And that's talking tennis. So the next headline we have on the UMass Athletics website is that uh, the athletics program will host a football signing day, a television show on Wednesday, in-depth discussion on UMass football, hashtag Elite Breed 18 signing class 
will broadcast live on 11 Sports and all UMass All Access, which is the online streaming service. I know 11 Sports usually, um, they have a deal with like Nesson and NBC, SN, um, that they, you know, broadcast on those channels. So I'd be interested to see if it's on either of those channels. It looks like it's going to be on February 7th, noon to 1.30. So tune in for that. See some new recruits. It looks like uh, it'll be on Fios channel 597, which means it looks like it will be um, on either like Nesson or NBCSN. Um, it'll be a 90-minute special featuring a wide array of UMass football topics with a focus on the elite, hashtag Elite Breed 18 signing class, which uh, essentially sounds like are the recruits, director of athletics Ryan Bamford, head coach Mark Whipple of the football team, and members of Whipple staff will join, it says, Gresh and Goldstein to discuss the program and each of the newest Minutemen. So that'll be exciting. Get to know your future uh, UMass Minutemen and Minutewomen. Um, unless it's the, unless this is just for football, it looks like actually this might just be for football. So Minutemen, um, uh, it looks like simultaneous to the signing day show season ticket renewals will begin that same day on February 7th, uh, with, with a March 14th deadline. So get in those season tickets. Um, look at that. I'm plugging, um, I'm plugging for UMass athletics here, but, um, the 2018 UMass football home games, I'll just rifle them off. August 28th versus Duquesne, September 22nd versus Charlotte, October 8th versus UC, USF, excuse me, October 20th versus Coastal Carolina, November 3rd versus Liberty, that'll be the homecoming game, and November 10th versus BYU. So those are all the home games uh, for next season. Next headline we have is... UMass, UMass's NIMEC named Atlantic 10 Rookie of the Week. I'm sorry, I'm terrible with pronouncing last names here. Um, but the freshman track and field star uh, won a New England title in the triple jump last weekend. Very impressive uh, triple jump. One of the hardest events in track and field um, as it requires a, a lot of skill. Um, but she's been selected as the Atlantic 10 Rookie of the Week, the conference announced uh, on Tuesday. So she's going to be the third member of the Minute Women to be honored by the A-10 this indoor season. The outdoor season is starting very shortly, I know that much. Um, and it's the fourth weekly recognition for a member of the UMass squad. So very cool. Um, she captured her first New England title on Saturday. She leapt 39 feet, 8.74 inches. That's incredible to take the top spot in that event. Um, she's a Quebec City, Quebec native, and it marked her fifth spot in the UMass record book and ranks second in the Atlantic 10 this season. Um, so that was off of the UMass Athletics website. All these headlines are. Um, so very cool to see our track and field doing good, uh, great things. And we are able to cover them on this show because I feel like they don't usually get um, a whole lot of attention. Uh, moving on to hockey, they face Merrimack today. That game resulted in a win 5-2. to two. It was on 11 sports. I know it was broadcast on Nesson, 
that game just got over with uh, very recently. It was on the second stream for WMUA Sports. Um, it was at the Mullins Center, so it was a home game for the Minutemen. They're now 11-16-1, and 5-12-1 in Hockey East. Uh, the Warriors, I think, are dead last in Hockey East, so take we'll take advantage of that, pick up another win. UMass Hockey's doing a great job of finding an identity this season. Uh, they're really improving on what they had last year. Uh, last year, only winning five games. This year, already at 11 wins and five wins in Hockey East. Very impressive. Very cool to see uh, a lot of young talent on that team. Hopefully, they'll be staying for a little bit uh, so they can get some chemistry going, develop as even better players, and hopefully become a competitive team in Hockey East because I think that's the direction they're heading in. Moving on to women's basketball, the Minute Women uh, will square off against Dayton on Wednesday night. Uh, the UMass Minutemen just recently played Dayton, so now the Minute Women will take their turn in playing the Flyers. UMass will host the league-leading Dayton Flyers in a 7 p.m. contest at the Mullins Center. So get there, show support for your UMass Minute Women. They're also uh, on the rise, sort of struggling a little bit this year, but certainly uh, improving. The last major uh, scroll through headline on the UMass Athletics site is UMass Football announces assistant coaching role, promotions, and additions. The responsibilities of uh, the four returning coaches, it looks like, were designated, and there was one newcomer. Uh, that was added to the staff. So the University of Head Coach, uh, University of Massachusetts Head Coach Mark Whipple, uh, announced that uh, recently. And the coaching role is for five members of the staff. Like I said, four are staying, uh, and they include promotions. That's uh, Leonard Hankerson, Charles Walker, Scott Woodward, and Spencer Whipple. Um, with the introduction of the one new member, uh, assistant coach Sean Dugan. So that's your your five coach staff for the Minutemen football team next year. Whipple was quoted saying, we have a great uh, group of coaches on staff here, and I'm excited to see the impact these men have with our student-athletes this season. Our preparations for the 2018 season have already begun, and I continue to look forward to working alongside all five coaches in their new roles UMass football um, finished finished strong last season. They obviously were off to a rocky start as they had that winless uh, sort of period. I know October was sort of their month where they went 2-0. and The whole joke was, you know, we went undefeated in October. But it was really cool to see the football team uh, end on a high note, I guess. Uh, definitely shows that there's potential there. Obviously, we're going to lose tight end. Uh, star Adam Brenneman will still have a lot of important returning players, which is key. I think, like all UMass sports, the fans will be a big part of this sort of like new mass. I think it's like hashtag new mass culture. Uh, I think it starts with getting fans out to the field because it's not much of an atmosphere to play where you know there's. 
a good majority of the stadium or the arena is empty. And I know most of the fans, especially for football games, you can't really do it with hockey and basketball in the winter because it's too cold. But with the football games, especially on the nice weather days, it's sort of like, you know, you get the like literally the entire school to gather in the football parking lot, which is incredible. Like the turnout is awesome, but then everyone just goes, turns around and goes home doesn't go into the football game. I mean, there's a small, there's a select few that does go into the football game and maybe they, you know, maybe they get the most students to go on like the first game, but then, you know, they don't enjoy it and they don't come back or something. But uh, it's just, I think it needs to start with getting the fans into the stadium. I think they did a nice job with sort of, you know, bribing, bribing us with food, getting us into the gates that way. But you know, if we get the atmosphere going, then I think the football team will will want to just perform at a much higher level. I know at the homecoming game, I broadcast from the press box that game, and that was that was Appalachian State. And because it was homecoming, there were so many alumni and so many fans in the crowd, and it was such a great turnout that I think the UMass team like actually stepped up like more than they would have they made some fantastic defensive plays I know Andrew Ford I think went down in the game but Ross Comis um Comis had stepped up and had a great game for them so they ended up kicking Logan Laurent kicked a game-winning field goal in overtime that was such an exciting game with a lot of fans in attendance so So that's all the time we have today. Thanks for joining us. It was great to have you listening. I hope you like the show. Uh, Follow us on Twitter at Unbeaten. That's U-N-B-E-A-T-O-N.